0: Welcome to another episode of Daily Feasting on the Words of Christ, helping disciples of Jesus Christ to engage with the Book of Mormon on a more deeper and personal level. Today we are on pages 199 to 204, and this is going to be a great chapter, because the Book of Mormon is just awesome. Why? Why can't it be a great chapter every single time, or anyway? <laughs> so... Here's some thoughts that I had while studying. So, first off, um, we get into a story about Alma the Younger and his conversion, and also about the sons of Mosiah wanting to go preach to the Lamanites. And then um, we also learn about, you know, King Mosiah changing the affairs of the kingdom, like changing how the government is run. And so some things that I kind of learned and I picked up during my study this morning is within the first few verses of chapter 27, it talks about how the unbelievers were starting to persecute those who belonged to the church and that those who belonged to the church started to complain about it. So much so that the king had to create a proclamation throughout all the land that no one was allowed to persecute each other regardless of like their beliefs. They were supposed to re- uh, respect each other regardless of differences of opinion. And that brought peace to the land. And it reminded me of when we read about King Benjamin at the end of the words of Mormon. And everything he did to establish peace and it took work. And so here again I see another example of you know establishing peace means... Also, we need to establish boundaries, right? It's not something you can just ignore or avoid or idly let happen. You, in order to establish peace, you have to work to eradicate contention. You have to face it and deal with it, work through the problem, find a solution, set up your boundaries, set up those consequences and and hold your ground because normally like peace is a very non-contentious word right it means that there's no arguments or everyone is like being civil to each other peace means that there is lack of conflict but that comes when we guard that zealously and when we um, work to keep it that way because if Anything that's not maintained is lost, right? If you don't maintain a garden, it gets overgrown with weeds and you can't see the pretty flowers anymore or you can't get your vegetables because they died. If you don't maintain, it gets lost and or it dies or it gets choked out or clouded. In order to have peace, you must maintain it by working at it establishing those boundaries and consequences for them and it just kind of seems a little bit opposite but that's that's how it works at least that's what I've noticed with the example of King Benjamin and King Mosiah if we feel that there is not peace in our lives then we need to figure out some boundaries that we uh, want to set up so that we can find and establish that peace again you know, maybe it's creating a boundary within yourself of you're going to stop doing negative self-talk. You're going to stop being negative. Or maybe there if there's like a lot of yelling and arguing in your house, maybe you set up boundaries to say, okay, when people yell, these are the consequences. We're not going to allow people to just yell and scream and argue anymore or, you know, whatever it is set up boundaries and say, this is destroying peace and this is not okay. And working with other people to establish that peace if needs be. And only through that kind of work can we establish and maintain a beautiful garden of peace and joy in our lives. This is something we have to cultivate to work at. It doesn't just magically happen. You know God can't tend our gardens for us; we have to do the effort of tending the garden, and when we put in the effort of tending the garden, then God can help the plants to grow. Some other thoughts I had while reading uh, when we got into when I got into the section about Alma the younger, like he was a very wicked man, and you read about in verse. Eight, about how he did speak much flattery and how persuasive he was and knowing the end of this story I'm kind of thinking how oh, interesting Alma has a talent with words he's a great speaker great at persuasion and explaining and things like that he has a gift But when he was making wrong choices, when he was sinning and rebelling against the laws of God, that gift was used for evil, and it led many people to do evil. However, we know that Alma changes, and he repents, and he comes back to God, and we see the power of his words still touch our hearts today. He has a gift with words. And he's able to persuade men to do good because of it. A gift is a tool. And it can have an improper use or a proper use. Every gift's proper use is to help serve and uplift others. Every improper use is to either... um, degrade others or to lift up yourself. If it's not... If it's not... If the purpose is not to help uplift and serve other people, at least as far as I understand, it would seem to me that this gift is being used improperly. And it's also kind of interesting to see that that like, you know, even... During the time that Alma was there, we can that that I could see from reading the Book of Mormon the talent and the gifts that he had. And lately, I've been thinking a lot about gifts and that we all have the kinds of talents that God has all given us, and what we can do to help uplift and serve each other. You know how we can. Figure out what are my gifts and how should I treat them, or how should I use them? How will I figure out what I have and how can I develop them and and things like that and, and just thinking a lot about that subject of spiritual gifts and the talents that each of us have that are given to us by god and and the all the good that we can do to uplift each other. You know, how much potential for amazing work we have. And every one of us has gifts that can contribute to the work and can help roll the stone forward. Help the gospel to spread across the earth or help heal someone's heart. Like, all of us have gifts and I don't know, it's it's been a subject that's been on my mind a whole lot lately. I don't have a whole lot of answers. I have I have more questions than I have answers concerning the topic of spiritual gifts. But it was just kind of cool to notice that in Alma while he was living in sin and also recognizing how that turned for good when he repented. Uh something else about Alma's conversion that I'm wanting to ponder on is, so, Alma and the king's sons, four of them, are like super wicked, right? And then they see an angel. And because of that, they change. Well, no, I correct myself. Because of that, they are prompted to change. It's not the reason why they changed. And I'll clarify that a little bit. But, you know, they saw an angel. And I was thinking about Laman and Lemuel as I was reading, and I'm like, they saw an angel too. So what's the difference? Why did Laman and Lemuel see an angel and chose to disbelieve? But when Alma and the sons of Mosiah saw an angel, they chose to believe. And to be quite honest, I'm not sure. But I know it was a choice, right? There is choice involved. Alma and the sons of Mosiah chose to believe. They chose to have faith. They chose to repent. They chose to change. Laman and Lemuel chose to not believe, to not have faith, to not change. And all of us are given these choices, granted, not all of us are given angels, but all of us are being touched by the Spirit, and that's just as good as getting an angel. You know, and what choices are we making every time we feel the Spirit or get a prompting from the Spirit? Are we choosing to believe or to disbelieve? And then when I said that the angel caused Alma to change, I corrected myself because it wasn't the angel that caused Alma to change. It prompted him to change, but it didn't cause the change. It was his faith in Jesus Christ. It was Jesus Christ's power that caused the change in Alma. Because even though he saw the angel and now he was prompted to change, he was still racked with torment about his sins. But when he relied on Jesus Christ and turned to him in faith, that's what caused his change. He says he was born again. right? And he says in verse 30, I rejected my Redeemer and denied that which had been spoken by our fathers. But now that they may foresee that he will come, that he remembereth every creature of his creating, he will make himself manifest unto all. You know, like in our last episode, we were talking about how every time someone sincerely repents, they will be forgiven. Look at Alma and his story. He was actively trying to destroy the Lord. This was one of Satan's soldiers, right? Alma was going about serving Satan and doing his will, destroying the church. And now he's changed. And he's serving God. And even though Alma was actively working against God, when he repented and changed and came back, the Lord freely forgave him. The Lord wanted to forgive him. And to me that's really cool, (laughs) you know, to know that it doesn't matter what we did yesterday. It doesn't matter anymore. What matters is what you're doing right this moment. What matters is what you're going to do today. Today is what matters, not tomorrow, not yesterday. There's nothing we can do to change the past. And the only way to change our future is to focus on the now. And that's all that God cares about is the now. God is not a God of the past. God is not a God of the future. He's the God of the now. I learned that in one of the books I'm reading, Armed with Righteousness by Stephen A. Kramer. Really good book. I highly, highly recommend that book to anyone. And in there, he talks about in one of the chapters that God is a God of the present. And if the present is that important, that he's in the present moment, then we ourselves should be as well. And focus on the doing of the now. To not wallow in memories of the past and mourn those lost days. You know, it doesn't matter. Every day is a brand new start. Every day is a gift because we can start over we can start again and everything we did yesterday does not have to affect the things we do today today can can be a completely new day it can be the start of a brand new you it can be the start of your change your conversion your redemption your reconciliation to god today can be that day and that's all that matters to god is what you do today He doesn't want to remember yesterday, and he's not going to worry about tomorrow. He's only concerned about the now, the today. We could have been, you could be the vilest of sinners like Alma, doing Satan's work. And you can change today to start doing the Lord's work. And feel of his love in your life. And just, I don't know, I think that's so important to ponder on and to think about the love and the grace and the mercy of God and to ponder, like, what are what are the things that I want to do right now? What kind of person do I want to become? What kind of choices do I want to make today? Irregardless of my past. Not worried about the future. Other than understanding that what I do today affects my future. And so understanding what I want my future to be. I focus on what choices I make today that will get me there. Focusing on the now. What can I do now? For the sons of Mosiah and for Alma it was preaching the gospel. They were concerned about those who were not choosing God. They wanted, the sons of Mosiah wanted to go to the Lamanites and preach the gospel. That was their now. They said, I'm not going to worry about the fact that I was going about destroying the church. You know, I've changed and I'm going to focus on building up the church and I'm going to go share the gospel with other people so that they can feel the joy and the light and the life that I now have and enjoy. I don't need to worry about what I've done in the past. God has forgiven me and I can move on. I can be different. I can be better. And then, you know, King Mosiah... He lets his sons go after he received peace and confirmation from the Lord that this was the right thing for his sons to do and that they'll be okay. You know, sometimes we have to do that, right? There, There's things that scare us. Life is hard, but we can turn to the Lord and pour out our hearts to him and he'll give us peace and comfort and assurance that everything will be all right. And we can trust him because Every word that God has said will come to pass. God is not a liar. That's Satan. Every word God says is true. So if he says you don't need to go somewhere, you don't need to go somewhere. If you need to say something, then you need to say something. If he tells you you're enough, you're enough. If he says he loves you, he loves you. And if he says that, then it must be important. Because God doesn't mince words. He doesn't say superfluous things. God doesn't say things he doesn't mean. If he tells something to you, it's because it's important. And it's important to not disregard that. To brush it off as if it's nothing. No. If God has something to tell you, then it is very important. God wants to tell you something every single day. There's lots of things he wants you to know and to understand and to do because those things will bring you closer to him. And that's what he wants. He wants you closer to him. He wants to be close to his family. He's a, God is a huge family guy. And he's doing everything he can to bring his children back home to him. It's what gives him the most joy. We give him the most joy in his life and sometimes the most sorrow but he loves us so much that he's not willing to give up on us he will never give up on us he didn't give up on Alma and the sons of Mosiah and they were wicked, wicked, wicked men he didn't give up on them And they came back. And we can come back. We just have to turn to Christ. Have faith in Him and in His power. Keep the commandments. Keep the covenants the best that we can to just strive every time we fall down. To just get back up and to keep fighting to never give up. To never give in to the darkness. Ever always remember that we are loved and that there is a God out there fighting with us That he's on our side he'll fight our battles and he'll protect us and prosper us and help us to come off conquer to overcome sin and temptation and to walk in the path of righteousness and light that is possible why because God has all power he says it's possible and if he says it's possible then it'll happen God has given us no reason to doubt that. You know, I had some other thoughts, but I actually want to end my podcast on this note. On this note of how much God loves us and is not wanting to give up on us. How much He's willing to fight for us in everything He is doing. The little details... In our lives he is doing to bring us closer to him. It's everywhere. Everywhere his promises and his love is apparent. We can feel of his spirit every single day of our lives if we connect to him. And It doesn't matter what we did yesterday. What matters is what we do today. And if we strive to be closer to him today, then he will come closer to us. And right? it says in the scriptures, draw near unto me and I will draw near unto you. Right. God doesn't just stand still. This is, this is not a God that just sits idly by in his throne up in heaven, just watching us struggle on our own. No, this, this is a God that gets, gets up out of his seat every single day. And he's down there doing the dirty work along with all of his other angels This God is active. This is an active God. More so because he doesn't need to sleep. He doesn't need to eat. He doesn't need to rest. He is working day and night, 24-7, to save you from hell and from darkness. He is working 24-7 to help you feel of his light and his love and his peace. To help you become ready to live in the celestial kingdom. Every day, he's working on it every single day, drawing up plans, creating things, putting people in the right places, and, you know, telling the spirit what he should tell us, and sending angels to help us and support us and protect us and everything. Like, he is, he is an active God. This God does not sit idly by and watch us fail. This God is right there with his hands outstretched over the edge of the cliff, ready to pull us back up from utter destruction. Even if we put ourselves there and ignored him in the first place, he is still reaching out to us and calling to us and saying, come follow me. God loves us so incredibly much. It's unfathomable. I sincerely wish that you, my dear listener, my dear friends, that you will come. If you don't... If you have not yet felt of God's love in your life, I hope that you will pray to feel so. Pray to feel it. Pray to feel of His love. You know, you can ask Him. And be like, God, do you love me? And He will answer. If you have felt of His love... But you're not feeling it now pray to feel it now pray to find it again and if you are feeling of his love ask him what you can do to share that with others who can you help today feel of god's love that you've received, please write them down and record them in a way that you will remember and act upon them. Share this podcast with someone who needs to hear this today. Someone you feel like can needs to hear that God loves them and that they can change. Everyone can change, right? They, this is this is the God of the impossible. Nothing is impossible to God no matter how wicked you think you are you can change because God has all the power to do it you just gotta trust him have faith in him yeah and I'd love to hear your experiences and your thoughts as you've been studying the Book of Mormon so please send me an email write a a comment on the Facebook page and Continue studying the scriptures, continue learning about God's love in your life, and I hope you have a fantastic day. I'll talk to you later.